So there are lots of different reasons that this happens. And I think, um, I and I don't want to put a priority on this, but a very common um, cause or time that we see the um, decrease in sexual behavior is after childbirth. And there are a couple different theories on that. First of all, a woman is exhausted um, and she is now very often breastfeeding and she's, because she's the one that is doing the feeding, she's up in the middle of the night. Um, and she's, so she's tired. Um, I've also read. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss what does a sexless marriage mean? How many times a month? How many times a year? We try to break it down. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep this short. First, thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. This will help others discover us. Also, if you like the podcast, I highly recommend visiting our website, hitchedmag.com, which is updated daily with new content and where you will find thousands of articles available anytime. Lastly, I understand that not everything we talk about applies to everyone. However, I am confident that if you go to hitchmag.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, that you will find at least one and probably more pieces of information each week that will help your marriage thrive. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, so Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, today, uh, we are going to talk about a sexless marriage, just in general. Um, and this is a very uh, common issue, uh, or commonly talked about issue, I should say. Uh, we'll dig into some of the details later. Um, so I just first wanted to start off, Karen, by asking you, um, how long uh, it, is a marriage sexless before it becomes a problem and a couple should talk about it? Well, a very typical answer <laughs> from me is it depends. Um it, it, it really is going to depend on the particular needs of the couple, um, you know, and what their libidos are. If sex is not something that is a major factor um, in their relationship, you know, they don't, neither one of them has a particularly high drive, um, then it might not be something that they need to talk about, you know, right away because, you know, if they were not really active um, on a regular basis, um, you know, going for several weeks or even, you know, for a couple of months might not be unusual for them. Uh, so it will depend on the particular couple. And 
you know, even on the particular needs of each one, because very often, which we'll talk about, I suppose, a little bit um, into the podcast, the couple, each person in the relationship may have different needs. Um, but it becomes a problem when it's going on um, too long for either one of them, or uh, if it is truly a divergence from what they are accustomed to. Mm -hmm. So is this an issue where if it's a problem for one, it becomes a problem for both? I think so. But in my book, when there is a problem for one, whether it be sex or any other topic, it's a problem for both. Because anytime one of the partners is really upset about something, because you are in a relationship, it is a problem for the other. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, you gave the uh, very much appreciated response and very common response from you, which is it depends. Um, and I and I love that because there it, it does show the nuance of pretty much all the stuff that we talk about here. Um, is there any kind of, and I don't want to say like a formula, but you mentioned, uh, you know, so if a couple doesn't typically have high libidos and so going for extended periods of time without sex isn't really an issue. Um, and, but however, if you are a couple who has a particular drive that is standard for you and you start going some sort of, uh, let's just call it a drought. Um, mm-hmm. now again, so it's not like three weeks is a big deal, um, for a, either couple, um, but the three weeks for the couple who never or only has sex a couple times a year versus the couple who typically has it a couple times a month, that ratio is different. So that's correct. Is there um, like a ratio that a couple should look out for? Like if you've gone like twice the amount of time that you typically would have gone or something like that? I really. I I would be hard-pressed to, and I've never read anything that Mm -hmm. indicates that. I would just say, you know, like any other issue that gets brought to me, what I look for is, is it a real change from what the behavior was like previous, okay? So again, what we're looking for is, is this something that is really different from what the behavior was like uh, for you Previously, um, you know, if let's say the couple has had sex three times a week, okay, and now they come in and they say, you know, our, our sex life is really dried up. Well, in in what way? What? How often are you having sex now? Well, we're having sex twice a week. Mm-hmm. Well, how often did you have it before? Three times a week. Well, that's not really so different, you know. What has your life been like? Well, we've both been under stress, and um, you know, we've both been really busy. Well, that's not really much of a difference. You're still having it regularly. You're still, you know, you know, consistently connecting with each other in a sexual way. But if somebody says, well, um, we have sex uh, once every month, and now it's been um, four months, that's a big difference. That's Mm -hmm. a big change. So I can't give you some kind of percentage or ratio, but you want to look at um, if there's a change, how much of a change, and then you would look at, you know, what is the cause of the change? Have there been extenuating circumstances or not? Um, And so... 
and again, that would be what I would look at, whether it be sex or anything else. You know, my husband has recently been um, very irritable. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, is he generally irritable? What does the irritable behavior look like? Um, you know, in what way is it different from the way he normally expresses his upset with something? And has anything in particular changed in his life? You know, so it's the same kind of questioning. It just relates to sex as opposed to whatever else is coming into be talked about. Right. So it really is a diversion from the mean. And then yes. wh- what... Are there outside factors that are causing that? Right. That, w- that makes sense. And then I suppose you would look at that and say like, well, is this going to be an issue that's going on? Or is this like a one-time project? Correct. That Correct. is uh, going to blow over in time. Okay. Yes. So um, with that being said, uh, you know, we often hear that it's men who complain about not having enough, getting enough sex or whatever. Is this an issue that seems to affect men and women the same? Or is it... Is it truly an issue where men are the ones who, quote unquote, suffer more? I think that that may be a stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that in general, men are more physically uh, connecting than a female is. A female tends to connect more with lots of other affectionate kinds of ways or um, other ways of Uh, feeling appreciated or desired, but I have very often had female clients in their marriages say that their libido is stronger than their husband's, and they're unhappy by the fact that he is not interested in sex. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there probably is some truth to the fact that men do desire sex more, but it, it isn't 100% by any means. Right. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I, that makes sense. Um, now, are there, we, we kind of touched on this a smidge, but are there common reasons this happens? And I can think of one off the top of my head, which would be like childbirth. You you read my mind. You read my mind. Okay. (laughs) So there are lots of different reasons that this happens. And I think, um, I, and I don't want to, put a priority on this, but a very common um, cause or time that we see the um, decrease in sexual behavior is after childbirth. And there are a couple different theories on that. First of all, a woman is exhausted um, and she is now very often breastfeeding and she's, because she's the one that is doing the feeding, she's up in the middle of the night. Um, and she's, so she's tired. Um, I've also read, and I think we've discussed this in a previous podcast that the aspects of sexuality that make her feel good have to do with the affection and the touching and the stroking and things like that. And that one of the theories is that in the feeding experience with the baby, she's getting that. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't need the sexual encounter as much because she's getting some of those needs met in the feeding experience. Um, Whether that's absolutely true. I don't know, but I I do know that that has been um, presented as a possible reason that women are not as interested in sex um, after giving birth. Right, and I, I, we we have talked about that in the past, and I I don't recall the uh, episode number, but yeah, that is something we've talked about. 
Okay. Um, another reason, of course, is life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, especially when you have children, um, there is the day-to-day pressures and just not having enough time. You know, it technically could be an extension of the fact that couples are not making enough time for each other with their date nights. So, you know, there's just so much time in a day and you've got to work and many couples are dual career families. Um, and then you've got to take care of the kids. And sometimes you're also handling, um, adult parents that need assistance. Um, sometimes there's illness, you know, so there's all sorts of life pressures that get in the way. And so by the time you get into bed, you're sacking out Mm -hmm. and you're not really in the mood to, you know, put out any more of your energy. So that's a very common reason. Um, Uh, I I was just going to ask, is there, so for example, I think a lot of times, uh, I mean, you meant, you gave a very good, compelling reason as to why it might, might not happen after um, you, a, a couple has a baby. Um, but then I also feel like after a certain amount of time goes by, that becomes the habit, that becomes the norm of not mm-hmm. having sex. Is mm-hmm. there any benefit to um, doing like the maintenance sex type of thing where, you know, it's like, well, we're not really like feeling it or like super jazzed about it, but we know this is something we should do, um, to stay connected because we don't want it to go too long. Is there any benefit? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because of exactly what you said, it then becomes the habit to not do it. And so, um, even when you're tired and exhausted, um, very often you're better off just doing it because once you start doing it, you feel better. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot to be said to doing it. It's just very hard very often to get started. So, And and I want to add something too, because I, so we had an article recently that got uh, a lot of criticisms, which I felt was like super unwarranted, but which is fine. Um, Everybody has their opinion because people misinterpreted who our audience was and what we were saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in that, I do want to say that I'm not saying that couples have to have sex all the time or anything like that. But if your expectation of your relationship is to be a sexual one and not a sexless marriage, then you should probably have sex at some point in time. That's all I'm trying to say. Not to say Mm -hmm. that you can't be happy if you're not having sex. Right. Right. Okay. Um, So another reason um, is that unfortunately many couples after several years, um, hit rough patches, um, and they tend to feel disconnected from one another. And if you're feeling disconnected, it's kind of hard to want to approach each other in that vein. Um, It's, again, not atypical. Many of the couples that I uh, come across, come in saying things like, well, I love my partner, but I'm not in love. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, if you you know go down just a little bit further, they're saying, well, I'm really not feeling very connected to them at all. And that really is the result of years of not communicating, not prioritizing your relationship, um, you know, not really doing the things you need to do to show appreciation 
of each other, letting each other know that you matter. And so you get to this malaise with, within the relationship. And again, um, who wants to have sex with somebody that, you know, you're not feeling real good about. <laughs> right, right. Um, so we talked about how um, if this is like an abnormal behavior for your relationship where that's when it might become an issue for you. Um, and if you find yourself in that position uh, and you are one of the partners who doesn't feel satisfied, mm-hmm. how, how hard, how much should you push um, if you feel like this is becoming a problem? If you say to your spouse, like, hey, I feel like we need to have sex and they're like, ah, no, that's okay. But you're like, no, no, like it's, it's been months. I, I really feel like we need to have sex. Like how hard should you push and what's the responsibility of each partner? Well, again, let's, let's go to, and I believe that a lot of times when couples come in and tell me that this problem exists, it really is symptomatic of a larger issue of not having good communication with each other. Mm -hmm. So I think that it is well served to then try to understand what feelings are going on underneath. Um, you know, why, what stops you from wanting to connect with me physically? Um, I wouldn't just go the route of, you know, I want to have sex, I want to have sex, I want to have sex. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's the matter with you? I would go more to, um, I'm feeling really disconnected from you. I want to be intimate with you. I'm not really sure what's going on between us. You know, tell me why, you know, you're not feeling like you want to be with me. I think that's a much more important conversation um, and probably not an easy one to have. But I think that that's really the conversation that needs to happen in order to understand each other's needs and see where the disconnect is. And once that can occur, then I think the other will follow uh, more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece of it is that I, I and it's interesting because I was just reading an article about this um, over the weekend, that one of the problems, especially when it comes to men, is that for men, sex is a lot about, you know, uh, their prowess and how well they're performing. A lot of times, they when they have performance issues, it's. And by the way, Steve, this is your. Is there anything else you want to tell us? Okay, got it. Okay, um, it's it's about their sense of you know that that they're good, that they're well accomplished, and so if they have a problem with functioning with um, erectile dysfunction, or or just you know, any other aspect of sexuality, it it's because they're not feeling good enough. Mm. Now, this becomes an issue because if the woman wants to give suggestions or advice or something along that nature, if you've got a man who's feeling particularly sensitive, what do you do with that? Right. So, on the one hand... You know, you want to talk about it. You want to say, well, maybe if you did it this way or maybe if you tried that or whatever. But if you've got a man who's sensitive to begin with and not, you know, and and seeing his sexuality and his performance as a statement about 
who he is or how good he is, then it's very hard to talk about how he's performing. So then she ends up not being able to feel like she's really um, at, at liberty to mm-hmm. discuss. And then she's not satisfied. And then that can also become um, a reason that they're not having sex because now it's not a satisfying situation. Right. Um, and this actually gets into what you had mentioned earlier, which is about you this there's a lot of outside factors that go into this Mm -hmm. um and i also feel this is why the rest of the relationship is so important because if you are if you are on solid ground otherwise this would be something that would be easier to talk about i would assume all things being created equal yes and no okay again it depends on um the frailty, the sensitivity of each partner, mm-hmm. um, the communication skills of each partner, how things are presented. Um, you know, take something that's not as delicate as this. And I, I don't know if this is as delicate in other societies, but certainly in America it is. Um, but even a simple thing like, you know, um, I'd like you to help me with the laundry, okay? Mm-hmm. If you present it as, you know, I really could use some help with the laundry, that's not going to be taken well. If you say something like, you know, I know you've had a really busy day, but I'm exhausted, and if you could give me a hand with the laundry, I'd really appreciate it, which is a lot more words. Right. You're going to get a very different kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. So, it... it If something like laundry becomes difficult to talk about, then for sure sex is going to be very, very difficult to talk about. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I just want to inject really quick because I want to highlight something that I feel like is a common thing that we talk about a lot, but I want to highlight it like every time I see the opportunity, which is you just did this like really great shorthand that I think a lot of relationships fall into. So Mm -hmm. you start off with, hey, can you help me with the laundry? Um, and because you have a comfort level with your spouse thinking, well, of course they'll help me if I ask, but you don't offer all the other courtesies that you might ask in a more sensitive environment. Mm-hmm. And therefore your spouse or your partner doesn't get that, um, their response isn't going to come from that place of like understanding and sensitivity. It's going to come from this place of comfort and understanding of, well, you help me with the laundry. And so that's why I think a lot of this stuff happens. And we, we constantly talk about you don't give your spouse the courtesies that you give strangers right. or bosses Correct. or coworkers. And that's, I think, where a lot of this stuff comes. And this is why I feel like manners and politeness are such an important thing because it becomes this um, foundation for good, solid communication. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay, so um, anyway, so I, I, again, you know, I think that to your point of if you have a good relationship, this shouldn't be an issue to talk about it. But I think even if you have a good relationship, it's still a very um, difficult area for some couples. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair enough. And I, and I do recognize that you could have a great relationship across the board, but if there's a sensitive issue, that's going to make it difficult regardless of how good everything else is. So, yeah. Um, okay. So then, uh, last question I have for you is, 
do you have any tips on making sure this doesn't become an issue for couples? Well, I think that, you know, like with anything else, if you try to address it sooner than later, if you open it up with a lot of, as you're saying, um, courtesy, respect, um, not attacking your partner, discussing it from, you know, that this is, you know, something that you've been feeling, you're wondering if they've been feeling it also. We've, we talked about that before also, the idea that this is something I've been feeling, you know, I, I'm wondering if you're feeling it, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you could even broach it as before this becomes something that is an issue for us mm-hmm. or goes on too long and leads to us losing you know, a very important connection between us. I wanted to, you know, raise it so that we're more aware. Mm-hmm. This this may be happening and we're not even aware of it. Uh, I Yes, absolutely. And then I would also add, and this is something that um, I believe there's a column on it and we, um, there might be a podcast on it as well, but there's a common misconception that sex is some spontaneous act that you need to do, um, but you can schedule it. And yes. you, I know you and I have talked about that. Yeah. Uh, look at your calendar. You see that you're busy this week, but next week you got a free night. Schedule it just like you would a date. And and I know we have talked about the fact that, you know, when you're cor- in that courting phase or whatnot, mm-hmm. you would yeah. schedule these dates with the anticipation that you might wind up in the bedroom. Um, but then it's like, so why not just, not that you should skip the romance ahead of time. I'm not suggesting that at all, but there's nothing wrong with just scheduling sex period and stuff. Right. You don't need right. to make it more complicated than that. So, um, yeah. So I just wanted to make, add that as yes. well. Yes. Okay. All right. This was fantastic, Karen. Um, I know we've, we've hit the, uh, the end question already, so I won't go there. Um, so instead I will just say thank you so much for your time and your advice. It was brilliant as always. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Steve. And that's going to do it for us this week. But before we wrap it up, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, you can get this info at our website, hitchedmag.com. And uh, we did a lot of referencing of past podcasts. So if you haven't caught up, and there's a lot of them, uh, 500 plus, uh, there's plenty of material for you to go back and listen to. So hopefully you find uh, some some answers that you're looking for. So uh, I think that is going to do it for us this week. Until next time, take care, everybody. We're on top of the world tonight.